Inshallah, my talk tonight is going to address an important cons- um, resp- to, is going to respond to um, attacks on the Sunnah and the Ahadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu We know that the struggle between Haq and Batil has always been there, and the Kuffar have not left any stone unturned in attacking the ideas of Islam, its Aqidah. We've seen the Prophet has been attacked, the Quran has been attacked, its Aqidah has been attacked, but I think. Nothing has endured more attacks, relentless attacks by the kuffar than the hadith literature of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The preserved narrations relating to the actions, sayings, and consent of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The kuffar have always tried to cast doubts within the minds of the Muslims because they understand that hadith and sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam forms a fundamental part within our deen and. As long as they can cast some doubt within the minds, they can shake our belief. The Orientalists who study Islam in order to attack it have also studied the science of Hadith so that they can highlight some of the apparent, what they call contradictions. They can uh, highlight some of the um, human involvement in um, collecting the Hadith. And all with the same aim, so that they can cast some doubt within the Muslims, so that they can shake their belief. Um, and make no mistake, these attacks continue till this day. And you will hear so many concepts from various people. Um, what we have seen, unfortunately, is these attacks by the Kuffar, the Orientalists, coupled with an intellectual decline within the Ummah itself, has given these thoughts certain inroads within the Muslim community and you would have seen and we, we, we have seen some Muslims somehow have this concept that Sunnah of Rasulullah or Hadith of Rasulullah are somehow, somehow less important than what is mentioned in the Quran which is completely wrong um, we have seen, for example, when we discuss the issue of Khilafah with Muslims sometimes some Muslims ask where is it mentioned in the Quran? Even though you're describing to them the seerah of Rasulullah, the sunnah of Rasulullah, the hadith, they ask you, where is it in the Quran? Uh, and it, that's an, a topic in and of itself that, yes, it is in, mentioned in the Quran as well. But it highlights this idea that somehow Muslims think that if it is mentioned in the Quran, then it is of greater importance. And if it is not, but if it comes from the sunnah and the hadith, then it is of lesser importance which we will see is not the case. In 1977, Colonel Gaddafi declared that the hadith of Rasulullah are of doubtful authenticity and therefore they can't be taken as part of the deen. Gaddafi wasn't alone. We have had other so-called scholars within the Muslim Ummah who present this concept. Sometimes they reject the hadith outright Sometimes they come from a different angle. So they wouldn't say we reject the sunnah outright, but they will give a new definition, their own definition to the sunnah. They, they will give their own definition to the ahadith of Rasulullah um, And the problem is, in fact, they, that belief itself is a problem. But on top of that, what they do is, based on this new belief, they give ahkam, to long-established uh, pro- uh, within, the, within the Muslim Ummah, we have ahkam 
that have been long established but they give different opinions based on this new belief and it becomes very very problematic and poisonous for the ummah especially in this day and age when islam is being attacked and we have lost um and we are struggling to bring back our unity now these people some they call themselves as quranists so they say quran is enough for us and we don't need sunnah and hadith some as as we said do not call themselves as such but you will have to judge them from their ideas that they are in fact those people some of the arguments that they present um in order to undermine the authenticity or importance of the hadith and sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam are for example they say the um a hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam were compiled 200 or so years after the death of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam which they say is almost the same time when the bible was written after jesus alayhi salam how can muslims reject one as written by human beings which is bible and accept the ahadith um, when the time difference is almost the same some they say many ahadith from their point of view contradict each other and therefore they can't be part of the deen some they say and this is going to be the most important bit that i am going to talk about some they say the quran is comprehensive in nature the quran does not need an external source to elaborate or clarify anything from it and this is going to be the as i said the main thing that i will discuss um, further in my talk so from their point of view they're saying hadith and sunnah are external sources that are not required in order to understand the quran and quran is enough for us some they say the ahadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the his address to his, his sahaba were were specific to specific people given a specific reality in in a specific time and they can't be generalized um and can be can't be taken as source of legislation for every human being in all times until the day of judgment um one example from the subcontinent is professor jawed ghamidi he again as i said he gives his own definition to the sunnah and hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam um he he says that the ahadith the ahad hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam doesn't add anything anything to the deen the quran um anything that comes in the quran um is enough um other he is very eloquent um and the problem is that he is he and many like him in the muslim world are given plenty of air time on national televisions they have their own youtube channels they have their facebook channels um and they are gathering a lot um of of um following and they're becoming they and the, that's why it is very very important for us to understand um their ideas and how we can respond to them because it is nothing but an attack on our deen so inshallah what we will look at is initial first part i will look at some of the uh, some of the many ayat in the quran that prove to us beyond any doubt that whatever rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam gives to us is nothing but wahi it is a revelation and it is part of our deen and we will we will see it through the conclusive evidences within the quran itself and the second part as i said we will respond to those who say 
the Quran is comprehensive in nature and we don't need this external source we will look at how the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam have come to clarify what is in the Quran so looking at the first part that sunnah is revelation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says in the Quran wama yantiqu 'anil hawa in huwa illa wahyun yuha that he referring to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he doesn't utter from his own desires it is nothing but revelation revealed to him Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I'm going to emphasize the specific bit that we are interested in um, in these ayats Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wama atakum rasulu fa wama nahakum anhu fantahu so whatever the messenger of Allah gives you whatever messenger of Allah gives you take it and whatever whatever he forbids abstain from it in another ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wama kana li mu'minin wala mu'minatin idha qadallahu wa rasuluhu amran an yakuna lahumul khiyaratu min amrihim waman ya'silllaha wa rasulahu faqad dalla dalalan mubina Allah says it is not befitting for a believer man or woman when a matter has been decreed by Allah and his messenger to have any option about their decision whoever disobeys Allah and his messenger he is indeed on a clearly wrong path in another ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says fala wa rabbika la yu'minuna hatta yuhakkimuka fi ma shajara baynahum thumma la yajidu fi anfusihim harajan mimma qadayt wa yusallimu taslima but know by your lord they cannot attain true faith until they make you O Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam judge between all their affairs again emphasis i'm i'm, I'm got, trying to emphasize the relevant bit that we are interested in they can't have true faith until they make you O Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam judge between all their affairs and find in their souls no resistance whatsoever against your decisions but accept them to the fullest Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in another ayah he says fa in tanaza'tum fi shay'in farudduhu ila Allah wal rasul in kuntum tu'minuna billahi wal yawmil akhir if you differ on a matter amongst yourselves referring uh, addressing the believers if you differ on a matter amongst yourselves refer it to Allah and his messenger if you truly believe in Allah and the day of judgment in another ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says qul in kuntum tuhibbuna Allah fattabi'uni yuhibbukumullahu wa yaghfir lakum dhunubakum say o muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam if you do if you do love allah then follow me i.e. follow rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and in turn allah will love you and forgive you your sins these and many such ayat in the quran prove to us beyond doubt because these are decisive texts in meaning and in transmission they are conclusive qat'i that sunnah is a source of legislation for us and anyone who rejects the sunnah as a source of legislation is a kafir because these are qat'i evidences now having looked at some some as i said many some of the many evidences in the quran um, that prove to us beyond doubt that the sunnah is a source of legislation for us now we come to the second part which is 
I want to describe to you how ants responding to those arguments to, that say that the Quran is comprehensive in nature and therefore we don't need any external source to clarify or explain to us anything or to add anything to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will see how the sunnah and the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam have come as a clarification for the verdicts within the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is of four types. And we will look at these four types with few examples from the Quran. The th- number one is when the verdict in the Quran is a summed up or mujmal verdict. It is summed up and the hadith comes and explains or details or provides details to us of this mujmal. One example is the salah. We know that we have been asked to pray. Um, and the hukum and the verdict comes in the Quran but we notice that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us to pray but the Quran doesn't give us any more details of the order in which the arkan have to be performed it's the, the shurut of the salah the asbab uh, of its timings um, how many ruku how many sujood how many rakat um, what makes the what makes the salah fasib, what made the salah batil, when do you have to make sajda sahu, for example, when do you have to repeat the salah? All of these details are not in the Quran, but the hukum in the Quran, this is called mujmal. It is a summed up hukum where the sunnah comes and gives you details about it. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said in a noble hadith, Sallu kama raaytumuni usalli. Do pray as you see me pray. And therefore now the hadith and the sunnah and the actions of Rasulullah when he was praying, all of this now comes and explains this mujmal in the Quran. The summed up hukum and the details of which are now being given by Rasulullah in his hadith and his actions. Another example of a mujmal is hajj. We know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obliged hajj upon everyone who is physically and financially able to do so. But the arkan, the manasik of the hajj are not given in great detail in the Qur'an. This is where the sunnah of Rasulullah comes in and now it provides the details to this mujmal which is the hukum of hajj, the verdict of the hajj and Rasulullah in a hadith he says manasikakum. Do your best to take your manasik of hajj from me. So other examples of mujmal um, or summed up ahkam in the Quran are Amr bil Ma'roof Nahiyan al Munkar or Jihad um, or Zakah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given a verdict, but the Sunnah then comes and clarifies and gives us the details of how that verdict is to be implemented. The second way in which the Sunnah clarifies the verdicts in the Quran is when the Quran has um, a general verdict, Am and the sunnah comes and specifies it or excludes some parts from that am and we'll look at some examples for example Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in um, in surah an-nisa in relation to the inheritance rules he says yusikumullahu fi awladikum lidhakari mithlu hadhil unthayain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says Allah commands you regarding your children's inheritance to the male a portion equal to that of two females. Now this ayah is general, 
meaning it covers all fathers who are inherited and all children who inherit from their fathers i'm now the sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi then comes and excludes certain types of fathers from this general arm class of fathers and excludes certain chi- types of children um from this arm the general class of children rasulullah sallallahu alaihi for example um in a hadith he mentioned about himself and the other anbiya he says la nurathu ma taraknahu sadaqa referring to him and the other anbiya he said we the prophets do not get inherited what we left is sadaqa so even though the ayah is am and covers all fathers rasulullah sallallahu alaihi hadith is now excluding one type of father which is all the anbiya from it so anbiya are not inherited similarly rasulullah sallallahu alaihi um he says about the about the sons he says um wala yarithu wala yarithu alqatil shay'an if a son kills his father then he doesn't inherit anything from his father so even though the ayah is general am which is which covers all children that inherit but rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in hadith through the through his sunnah is now excluding some from that general which is um so this is called the takhsis from the am um another example of this is trade allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says in the quran wa ahallallahu albay' allah has made trade halal on you this is general all types of trade is halal but now the sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam then comes and does takhsis and excludes some types of trades from this general class of trade and says these are excluded from it so rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam for example does a takhsis and says you cannot sell what you do not own so out of this general arm of trade rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam through this hadith is explaining to us that this ayah excludes certain types of sales and one of them is when you when you when you sell something that you do not own that's the second so we've we've seen that a mujmal verdict in the quran that the hadith and sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi comes and gives us details about we've seen the am in the quran where rasulullah sallallahu alaihi does takhsis or specifies or excludes certain things from that am the third type in which um the hadith or sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi comes and clarifies the verdicts in the quran is when the sunnah limits something that is unrestricted in the quran what do i mean by that we'll look at example again allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the ahkam of hajj and umrah he says in the quran about shaving um head we know that a part of uh, one of the manasik of hajj and umrah is to shave your head um or trim your hair um related to that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says wala tahliqu ru'usakum hatta yablugha al-hadi mahilla he says and you do not shave your heads until your sacrifice reaches the, and until your offering reaches the place of sacrifice that's the hukum but then he says if and now it provides some exemptions so those who are sick those who have some ailment in their scalp what do they do if they can't shave their head allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says faman kana minkum maridan aw bihi adham min ra'sihi fa fidyatun min siyamin aw sadaqatin aw nusuk allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says 
if any of you is ill or has an ailment in his head in his head or scalp i.e. he's not able to shave he should in compensation Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says three things in compensation gives three options fidyatun min siyamin aw sadaqatin aw nusuk so he should either fast and the word used in the um, in the ayah is siyam so plural of saum multiple fasts sadaqa or give charity aw nusuk or give sacrifice now we notice that all these three options are mutlaq they are unrestricted allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't specify how many fasts will expiate this will expiate um this or what type of sadaqa to whom how much it's mutlaq it's just saying aw sadaqa aw nusuk sacrifice again not specifying what type of sacrifice is required for the expiation so these are all mutlaq um so nusuk siyam and sadaqa they have all come unrestricted mutlaq um and the sunnah then comes and restricts them and it provides you to you to, to us the explanation of um and restricts these mutlaq so rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam it is in muslim narrated from kaab ibn arja he says shave your head or feed one farak to 60 needy and the farak is 3 sa which is a, a known measure of fast 3 days or sacrifice a lamb so now the siyam multiple fasts which came as mutlaq rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam has restricted it to 3 fasts the sadaqa which came as mutlaq unrestricted sadaqa rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in this hadith he restricted it by a specific measure measure to six needy people so clearly specifying how that hukum has to be implemented and the nusuk which came as mutlaq unrestricted again rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he specified it or restricted it to um a sheep one sheep another example of mutlaq in the quran um is when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says wasariqu wasariqatu faqtau aydiyahuma and to the thief male or female cut their hand now the idea whom i cut their hand has come as mutlaq cut the hand from where from the shoulder from the elbow from the wrist from the finger where anything would be a cut so it has come in an unrestricted form and the sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam then comes in and clarifies it that the hands need to be cut from the wrist so this is another example where a verdict is mutlaq in the quran and rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam's ahadith and sunnah comes and clarifies to us and restricts this mutlaq so we've now seen um three types the fourth is attaching so the sunnah comes and attaches a branch to the verdicts of the quran this is the fourth type how the sunnah or the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam come and clarify the verdicts in the quran An example of this is when Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala when he describes the women that are haram for you to get married when Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah an-nisa hurrimat alaykum ummahatukum wa banatukum wa akhawatukum wa ammatukum wa khalatukum and so on so forth forbidden for you to get married are your mothers your daughters your sisters your aunts etc towards the end of the ayah Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa an tajma'u bayna al-ukhtayn 
and forbidden for you is to combine two sisters in your marriage at the same time and in fact in the following ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after describing all the women that are haram for you to get married to he says and everyone apart from this specified set is halal for you to get married now Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam there are a hadith where he has forbidden marrying certain other types of um, women as well for example Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he forbade marrying a woman and her niece at the same time in one marriage so when this hadith comes in we cannot look at this as a contradiction to وَأُحِلَّ لَكُمْ مَا وَرَأَ ذَلِكُمْ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said everyone else is allowed and now Rasulullah's hadith is contradicting that. No. The way to look at it is that the, sun, the role of the sunnah here is to attach a branch to the existing verdict. So Rasulullah is through this hadith because we know that Rasulullah is not speaking from his own desires. It is a wahi. So this forbiddance or uh, is attaching a verdict to the other the other women that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbade us to get married to. So marrying a woman and her niece at the same time it is nothing but it is attaching a branch to where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said and you cannot combine two sisters in one marriage and Allah Rasulullah combines that or attaches a branch and says you cannot have a woman and her niece in marriage at the same time thus we find that as we've we've seen that um, how the sunnah is nothing but a source of legislation it is a wahi and we have seen conclusive evidences from the Quran and then we have seen how the sunnah has come to clarify Many of the verdicts in the Quran, we've seen how the Sunnah comes and explains or details the summed up or mujmal. We've seen how the Sunnah comes and does taqsis of the am. We've seen how the Sunnah comes and restricts the mutlaq. And we've seen how the Sunnah can attach some verdicts to the existing verdicts in the Quran. It is important for us to, for us to note that the, the scholars of Islam in history have also been very careful in describing to us our deen so that we do not fall into this trap of the kuffar and I'll inshallah conclude with this and it's very important that even when they were defining certain certain terms within the shara they were very very careful and one example as I said we'll conclude with this is when the scholars of Islam they described or they defined a hukum shari, a legal verdict within the deen, they described it as khitabu shari' al mutaliq bi af'al al ibad. And notice that the, the use of khitabu shari', the address of the legislator, instead of saying khitabu Allah al mutaliq bi af'al al ibad, it, it will still mean the same thing because Allah is the legislator. But they specifically chose a shari' instead of Allah so that the Muslims do not confuse that it is the khitab of Allah to be the khitab in the Quran and neglect the hadith that's why they use the shari' khitab al-shari' and the khitab al-shari' is both the book of Allah and the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to understand 
these attacks from the kuffar and and respond to them intellectually may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate the intellectual level within the ummah so that these kuffar and their attacks fail we will end it there aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alamin wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh